This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. So we are in the three weeks now, and this is, uh, well, it started already a little while ago, but tonight begins the nine days. Nine days are hardcore. You know, three weeks are already pretty hardcore, but nine days get really hardcore. Um, we are not today in the, with the emotional strength to mourn properly. We'll wind up depressed, and once you're depressed, you wind up on Ben Yehuda. So we don't need that. So, they, so there's no, no one here really knows how to mourn. I think myself included, I would wind up depressed if I mourned properly. So, so I guess mourning's out, but we still have the laws of mourning. And the laws are basically no live music and, and no weddings, no haircuts, no shaving, and, and just like going into a state of mourning. However, I'm warning you. Keep up your general joy for things that bring you your your keep yourself but keep you balanced. Keep those up. So if you have things that keep you balanced, yeah, keep that up. Don't don't go crazy and wind up all depressed. Okay, because there's nowhere in Judaism is depression commanded. Being sad is not depression. Being in a low mood is not depression. Being a uh, not going to your usual live music events is not depression, but they and and if you have to listen to recorded music to keep your keep your mood up, that's not a big deal. That's that's okay. Um, try not to make it something that's frivolous though. You know, it should be just something without lyrics, maybe uh, keeping the rhythm going. There you are. Someone's online. It's got a bit of a lag. Press so hit share on that. That's such a cute phone. I bet you we're all going back to that size phone. They're going to send us. They're going to send us right back. Yeah, they're going to get us. We're going to be back on flip phones. Sidekick. What's that? Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, they're eventually. They're not so far from now. They're going to have projectors out of our phones. So, meaning they're already got projectors down to like LED projectors. They're like, I just got one. It's like this big. Cost me, I think, like forty dollars. And but it's eventually going to come out of your phone. Once it's coming out of your phone, your screen's on the wall. So wherever you're sitting, it can be on your screen can project onto the table. And and so then we don't have to have these big phones anymore. Cause it'll just be like Yeah. Yeah, it, it probably will be like, well, I think you're going to be able to touch the projection. It's going to be a touch screen. And then, and then the next generation will be 3D. So you won't need a screen at all. It'll just be your dad standing there about this tall. <laughs> the way you like him. <laughs> but can you imagine your father or your mother in full, in full resolution, 3D, just standing on your table? It's going to be cool. And also, I'm going to be projecting myself into the classroom, and you'll project yourselves in as well. Well, meanwhile, I'll be, ba- I'll be bathing or something. <laughs> but it'd be pretty cool, because I could program all kinds of cool clothings and stuff. <laughs> Big yellow jumpsuit with black polka dots on it and stuff. Just change it every few minutes to keep you riveted. It's going to be good times. They already, by the way, everything I said is already out. It's just not so cheap to do it. It just needs more running and running and running until they, they can get it pumping out uh, for the average consumer. Uh, but it's, it's already out there. I mean, the, 
if you wanted to spend the bucks, you could be at any wedding in the world uh, without actually having to leave. Uh, but you got to spend some money. You can dance at two weddings at one time. Yeah. That's <laughs> amazing. <laughs> it's a famous, a famous Yiddish line that you yeah, yeah. that you can't uh, I can't dance at two weddings. But in the future, you will dance at two weddings <laughs> with cha- interchanging outfits. And Panay Brock, you could also. <laughs> and women are going to be particularly excited about this because of the just the functionality of the wardrobe. You know, your digital wardrobe is going to be uh, pretty awesome. You know, and, and think how much cheaper it's going to cost to have a digital wardrobe. You know, you, you'll still have to pay some bucks to the designers, but how much can they charge? There's no more fabric. You know. <laughs> Most likely, you'll be wearing a full sensor suit. Yeah, full sensor suit. Because uh, so otherwise, it's no fun to be dancing at a wedding that you're not dancing at. So you'll be like, in, you'll be in your room, just going like this. And stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I like to dance with. <laughs> okay, uh, like I said, keep keep your uh, keep your sense of humor around you during these times. But now we're entering the nine days. Tonight begins the nine days. Nine days goes even further. I mean, I hate to freak anyone out who doesn't know about, you know, Judaism, but, but uh, showering's over as of tonight. Um, yeah, if you haven't showered yet, highly suggested. Um, anyway, showering ends. Uh, you're allowed to keep yourself from smelling, but, uh, but enjoying a bath or a shower's out. Um, yeah. Mikvah's allowed, but, they, but today was our last day getting that hot, steamy one. Yeah, we're not going to be able to enjoy the steamy one anymore. Yeah. Cold shower, and you wash part body parts. You wash your arms now, now you wash your legs, now you wash your torso, not to just sit under the stream. Uh, the, uh, what else now? No more clean clothing. So I forgot to do this, but when I get home today, I will be taking out whatever I'm going to wear over the next week. Which will not be a lot. I may not even change. And uh, and the uh, no, I change undergarments. Undergarments you're allowed to have fresh. You just can't launder them. So you got to get everything laundered today. Good luck if you didn't get your stuff laundered. Good luck getting in line now, because all of Jerusalem's like laundering their clothing now. Um, anyway, um, by the way, if you're fresh to all this, if you're like brand new to Jerusalem, just ignore everything I'm saying. Okay, do it next year, because you don't want to make yourself crazy. Um, anyway, but the, no fresh liner. So today I'll be like, I'm going to like take my clothes that I'm going to wear over the next week. I'm going to like throw them into the wall a few times, step on them a bit, like just like crunch them up and, and then, and then put them back in my closet and that'll be the clothes I'll wear. So nothing's so fresh. It's been stepped on. Um, something else about these days, no more meat, just, just Shabbos. We're allowed to eat meat, but we're, meat's out. So, uh. Say goodbye to the shawarma shops and all the, all the yeah, your shawarma's done for the next nine days. Um, that one I would actually take on personally because it's just so similar to the Passover offering that, and we're mourning the temple. So, like, I mean, it was ultimately shawarma. Matzah was not the crust, this crispy crackery. It was a wrap with lamb in it. That's, that's classic shawarma. So, so, you know, don't eat, don't eat don't eat your, it's, they don't, today they don't use lamb, they're saving money. They actually use turkey, and the fat on the top's from lamb, to make the turkey taste like lamb. So, 
Yeah, those bozos are making turkey-flavored lamb. Lamb-flavored turkey. Um, there are places to get lamb, though. Uh, what's it called, the famous place in Jerusalem that everyone loves? Halote Manya. You can get the lamb over there. And uh, anyway, but maybe we'll just stay away from uh, stay away from meat this week. Yeah, my wife served chicken for lunch today just to get rid of our Shabbos food. We had chicken, and it was scrumptious because it was my last piece of chicken for a while. Um, Shabbat obviously is not going to be um, Shabbat's not going to be any prohibition. I just want to show you something about these three Shabbats. See, normally you have a weekday. And then you have Shabbat every seven days, so it's like boom, Shabbat, boom, Shabbat, boom, Shabbat, boom, yeah? And so Shabbat's always, you know, the highest part of the week. But during the three weeks that we're celebrating right now, uh, what happens is the morning gets more and more intense. And you'll notice that the more intense, you know, I'm going to go even skipper to show it better, the morning gets more intense. And... What that does is it makes the Shabbos's higher and higher. The Shabbos's get higher because the differential that used to be, you know, just here to here, the differential that normal Shabbos's is just, you know, there to there. Um, the first of the three weeks, the differential into Shabbos was here to here. This was yesterday's Shabbos. And the highest Shabbos of the year is this coming week, which is like, we're going to be going into our third week of deep mourning, which means when we go into Shabbos, we just shoot all the way up into Shabbos, which is a very high place. We're back to showers, you know, Friday, you can shower before Shabbos, you can uh, wear your finest clothes, you can wear fresh laundry clothes, you can uh, eat, we eat meat, we drink, oh, no wine for the next week. Now, wine's an interesting prohibition because you can drink all the beer you want, you can drink all the whiskey you want, you can drink all the vodka you want this next nine days. But wine is forbidden. And the reason is, is because wine is covenantal. Wine is something that's, that's, you'll notice, for example, people will drink Jack Daniels and then wind up punching someone's lights out or drink beer, a lot of beer, and then get in a fist fight. But no one drinks wine and starts punching people. Wine is a covenantal drink. You'll see it mellows you out, it chills you out. Some people can get tired drinking wine, but it's a co- it's something that creates more covenant. And because we are mourning the temple behind when uh, you know Exhibit A behind the window, I just keep this block because the backlight's so intense in here. The the because we're mourning the temple, which is our covenant, our connection with God, the covenant of the of the. Uh, you want to sit up here? Hey, what's up? Table for two right here. Igor, give this guy a... Oh, don't go all the way. I'm going to have to stretch to hit you over there. I'm going to give Igor a sit Okay, you can sit. This is one of those classes that slowly builds. Yeah, we, we had a class the other day. We, got, we went up with 35 people. It started with four. It was the most interrupted class ever. Like every every two minutes. Oh, welcome, shalom. Whatever. Only when the class was over, it was full. Now, the anyway. So wine is covenantal. We're lacking our connection with God via the temple, meaning that particular portal of connection, which is the temple, 
which is a pretty heavy connection with us and God, is missing, so too we're not drinking wine this week, which is a covenantal drink, unlike beer and whiskey, which is perfectly permitted. Claire? Um, you also want to be careful not to punish kids this week, um, with at least with any physical uh, punishments. This is not a time to give spanks and stuff like that. Uh, also, Shabbos, a lot of people don't know Shabbos also is not a time of physical punishment. Um, so if you're, if you're a spanker, yeah, don't spank your kid on Shabbos. And uh, <laughs> if you can avoid it. And uh, during the nine days also, this is not a time to, to be involved in any... Uh, physical punishment of kids uh, you can put them in their room you can take something away but but uh, physically uh, you know give them spanks and stuff this is not the time to be, to be doing that um, now I'm, I want to quote King David in the famous psalm one of the most famous psalms of all Mizmor Ladavid Hashem Rui Loesar um the song of David that God is my shepherd and I will not lack it's probably one of the most famous ones probably made famous by the Gentiles more than anything they love saying the Lord is my shepherd you know and they, they just love saying that and um how you doing Mashallah can you sit right between yeah right between those two guys it's perfect for Facebook live right yeah nice so um Later in that particular psalm, it says, Shiftecha umishantecha heimayenachamuni. Shiftecha, your shevet, which means your stick, umishantecha, and your, your, uh, your, your staff. The stick, or the rod, we could call it, or the staff. They comfort me. The rod and the staff comfort me. Now, using two languages for one thing, which is a stick, to say they comfort me. What are these two languages? So a shevet, a rod, is something that a shepherd hits the sheep with when they're going the wrong direction. I spent a lot of time, because as a mountain biker, I spent a lot of time in the mountains with, uh, you know, there's often Bedouins and shepherds. They got sticks. They got sticks. They got rocks. They don't pelt the sheep with rocks, but they do throw rocks on the side of the sheep so they scurry the other way. And they got sticks where they kind of, you know, knock them right and left just to keep them focused on the direction that they're going and and a that's the stick that's God's stick because sometimes God's whacking the Jewish people and sometimes he's whacking individuals he's actually giving you taps they don't always feel good they often don't feel good at all but God is is often giving us little little whacks here and there that are are guiding whacks they're guiding uh, smacks to keep us focused on the path and he also is our is like a cane, like a like a mishan means means a stick to that you lean on. It's a staff that that supports you when you walk on the way. So they're both done with a stick. A stick can whack, and a stick can be a support. And what King David says about this is that they both comfort me. Now I understand why. I can lean on God. I understand that's a comfort. But why is getting hit by God's rod a comfort? And the answer is, is that either case, you don't ignore me. 
I'm comforted by the fact that, that I'm not ignored. That when I'm going off, you don't dump me. If I'm going off the path, you actually whack me back into shape. And, and when I'm on the path or, and I just need you, that you're there for me. That's my comfort. But ignoring me, if I were to go off and get totally ignored by that, and that, my, that it's just meaningless, it becomes meaningless that I've pulled away from the right path in life, from the path to God, if that becomes a good ignored thing, so then I would be very distraught. I would be to the level of the, as everyone knows, the existential pain, the meaninglessness of not having God in my life. And that's one of the most painful things there are. The most lack of comfort is to the feeling that many atheists feel is just this ultimate meaninglessness to what, whether I turn right or left. It doesn't matter. I experience this firsthand whenever I visit hospitals. I go to hospitals sometimes to visit the sick. And, the, and when I'm there to visit, I, it's just an interesting contrast in Israel. Because you get these super holy people who are ill in the same ward, right next to the bed of someone who's like lived a life of you know nihilism, that there was no real meaning to life. They both have the same disease. But it's like visiting two separate wards, even though you're in one room. The one guy has a family who are basically smiling. They seem to be doing okay. Everyone seems okay, even the one in great pain who's on, you know all kinds of medications and su- support. They seem okay. They're, they're, uh, they, they don't know why they're going through this, but they know there's a reason. There's some reason about this. There's God's rod. God's rod. Yeah. God's rod is involved in this. And they're, they're, you can see it makes a difference. And then when I go to the bed next to where I usually spend a little more time, not because I'm there to like, you know, work on people while they're down. I'm not there to work. I'm not. I'm really there to comfort. But, but there's more comforting necessary on the, the next bed over because there's such a strong, almost palpable experience of why me? Why me? Why us? And there's no answer to that because in their worldview, there's no answer. So it's just one of those why me's with no answer. And yet they have this incredible challenge health challenge to surmount. So you've got one family who's like totally chill. They don't know why, but they're chill. And then you've got another family who's, who's got this like terrible angst about them over the situation. So the people over there are quite comforted and the people over there are distraught. And they're both suffering the same exact thing. And the difference is, is that one recognizes God as the shepherd and the other one doesn't see it that way. Now for us, it's quite clear uh, if you look throughout Tanakh that we are in a living dynamic relationship with God. We are always in a living dynamic relationship with the Creator. If there's no temple over there, it's for us. It's nothing to do with history. Our sages teach us that if the temple was not built in your times, it's like if it was destroyed in your times. I'm going to say that again. Um, if the temple was not built in your times, it's, it's, it is as if it was destroyed in your times. It's like, what did we do? Did you do anything to deserve? 
What do we do? And the answer is maybe it's what we didn't do to make a difference, to bring it back. And if I can't do that alone as a rabbi, maybe you as a layman or a laywoman has to, has to do it. But if it wasn't rebuilt, we destroyed it. God is constantly messaging us. We're getting sent messages all the time. We're in a constant state of messaging. Everything okay, guys? I'm just watching the whole room slowly get distracted. Oh, my eyes. <laughs> I can bring you cappuccinos and, you know, and snacks if you want. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, it was cool when I was getting distracted, but I started noticing more people getting distracted by you, too. So, yeah. Do you have a question? No. We're just running commentary. We like to discuss each topic with each other. Are you serious? We'll you need, like, bring out that. a cell phone where you can write down the, the topics okay. so you won't forget to schmooze about it later. Good idea. Yeah. <laughs> or you can rewatch it. Yeah. Okay. Um, sorry. The. God's constantly messaging us. He's letting us know all the time we're being sent the message. And the message is, you know, you got a purpose, you got a function, you got a, a destiny. There's a, there's a future. I forgot to hit do not disturb. I'll do it real quick. Sorry, guys, we're on hold a second. Just putting do not disturb on my phone. Oops. Hey, it's refusing to go vertical. Okay, do not disturb enabled. Is it too low or it's good? Okay. Now We just had, a, like, just on the eve of these nine days, during these three weeks, we had another one of these attacks that we should never know from, uh, from Arabs who, an Arab who went into a home on Shabbat and uh, massacred, you know, se several people in the, in the home, the grandfather, the son, and the sister. Yeah. And his son and daughter, grandfather and his son and daughter, and uh, old, all you know, fully developed adults. This situation, and um, it, it was uh, particularly horrific. And and so here we are to try to make sense of all this. You know, so I'd like to speak a little bit about suffering. Um, this is a time of suffering, and. Uh, we're not, Jews don't run from suffering. Uh, we, we actually, if there's suffering at hand, we'll experience it fully. And, uh, and then move on. And, uh, and in general, one of the keys to hell is to be someone who, who embraces all of life. You know, if you try to avoid the pain of life, you're never going to feel the joy. We learn that from toddlers. Toddlers cry really deeply when they're sad. And they're also the happiest people. So take it from the people who know how to cry. If you want to be happy, you got to be sad. And I'm one of the saddest, happiest people I know. I cry.
cry all the time, yet I have a general joy that's usually quite high. Um, as a result of my my valve of emotion, because it's really just one valve, joy and pain, it's called the emotions. The emotions have one valve, and you want it to be as clear as possible. What happens for most people is they're so afraid of pain that they that they clog the valve from, to hold the pain in, hoping they'll be happy. But if you hold in the pain, so the joy gets stuck too. Uh, most physical ailments that people suffer is uh, because of blocked pain. Having pain in the body is a lot easier way than dealing with pain in the heart. Uh, back pain, joint pain, knee pain, headaches, uh, stomach, big time, uh, shortness of breath, acne, indigestion, all these things are for the most part, they are ways the body protects us from, from negative feelings. Whereas if we would embrace negative feelings, if we would just allow the negative feelings to be there and to go in there and wherever, they, wherever you wind up navigating, which takes a lot of courage, but to navigate into that pain and let it release... Uh, many people find that their physical ailments disappear. Many physical ailments will, will disappear. Now there is such a thing as physical ailments. You know, you can't tell. Uh, you can't tell the. Uh, uh, what are the name of those comedians from England? Uh, the old slapstick uh, Monty by the end. You can't tell the guy who had his arm cut off that it's an emotional issue. You know, it's, it's missing an arm. Is that where he said it was just a flesh wound? I think, I think his arm gets caught, cut off and everyone looks at him like, and he goes, ah, it's just a flesh wound. <laughs> like, that's not a flesh wound. You know? but, uh, but there is such a thing as physical ailments, but, they, but many, many ailments are, are uh, emotionally based. Now, there are two... There's, we have something called national suffering where the Jewish people are, are being shepherded by God and, and we go through stuff together as a nation. When there's something as high profile as what happened in the Shomron on Friday night, that's more of a national thing. I mean, that family's going to have to deal with that, but our whole nation now is dealing with that. Whenever there's something big like that, so that becomes a national thing. That's all of us now having to ask ourselves questions. There's national questions. For example... Um, uh, why, you might say, why aren't we better protected? Why aren't we better protected? Shouldn't there be better security? But I would say there's even a deeper question. Why are we... Um, I mean, this will sound a little radical and right-wing, even though I'm actually quite liberal. Um, why are we... Why do we tolerate uh, an enemy ground force in our country? No other nation would do that. You're not allowed. You can't tolerate an enemy ground force in your country. And but we've somehow the narrative of our country of Israel has has it set up this way. I'll give you an example. Just because you're all in the middle of a mouse trap right now. See, I'm I'm from California, from LA. I could drive north forever, like. I could drive north for like 30 hours and still be in friendly territory. I could drive south as long as I 
miss the drug lords. I could drive south through Mexico and just be at like gorgeous beaches and hanging out with fishermen and dancing in La Bamba, you know, for like all the way to South America basically, till Venezuela where things are getting rough. Um, I could go eastward through Arizona, through, you know, uh, whatever's next to Arizona. <laughs> Whatever that, let's play, what's next to Arizona? Texas? Yeah. Those things in New Mexico. Then Texas? Yeah. Anyway, I could drive east for a week straight, all the way to New York, nothing but friendly folks the whole way through. Think about where you're sitting right now. Where are you sitting right now? If you go 50 feet that way, you're taking your life in your hands. You go 50 feet that way, you're taking your life in your hands. You go about 100 feet that way into the Silwan Valley, you're taking your life in your hands. And yet all of you on Independence Day will be swinging your flags and it'll be, uh, you know, so proud and Zionistic and, you know, on Jerusalem Day you'll be like, you know, with your t-shirt, Jerusalem's ours and everything. And meanwhile, you're, you're like, you're in the middle, it's like you've got a shark teeth all around you and the way out is west towards Ben Yehuda Street which is also just as dangerous just spiritually dangerous and you know you call, you call this uh, this is freedom this is uh, national pride we got any pride like who are we who are we fooling here and as and slicha for saying this but as a born American who retains his American citizenship I have to say I'm personally embarrassed. And to me, this is, a, this is an embarrassment. And I've been through already 25 Yom moods, Independence Days here. I'm still not celebrating. I'm not celebrating. Only because I'm an American. Nothing to do with anything else. I'm just an American. And I refuse to pretend this is called, this is called, uh, uh, what do you call it? Independence, uh, uh, sovereignty, I realize the British aren't here, but there's much worse people here than British. No offense to British people, but it's much worse than the British. And we're all going to pretend like, you know, like we've, we've got this amazing sovereignty. We are wimps. And we can't seem to... You know what, you know what Israelis are like? They're like people driving on the dashboard. You know, normally you sit in the seat, you drive in the seat, and you stare out the window. Yeah, we drive on the dashboard, staring out the back window to see who's watching. Well, when you drive staring out the back window of the car, you don't get very far because <laughs> we're 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 just looking. I mean, we're literally driving with our eyes glued on the rearview mirror and the side view mirror. It's like, what's everyone thinking? What's everyone saying? What the, what's America gonna say? We're like we're like a heroin addict. And America and all the other allied European countries are the are the pushers. They're the drug dealers. And we just we just want our next fix and we'll do it. We'll put up with anything. We'll put up with anything just to just to get it. Just to get the goods. And think how much money we spend. We why do we need all their money? Because we gotta defend ourselves. What if we just like why don't why don't we just take our last little amount of money, spend it on some serious, you know, Cleaning up, I hate to use the word clean, cleansing, but cl cleaning up our country 
to be a country that you're either totally beholden to the governing body, whoever it is, or you're out of here. And zero tolerance. Zero tolerance. You're either a proper citizen. We'll give citizenship to the Eastern. You want all those Arabs who don't have citizenship? They can have citizenship. We'll give it. You want to behave yourselves? You have citizenship. Full citizenship. I'll give citizenship to the Arabs in the territories who don't have citizenship. And I will take it away from the Israeli Arabs who can't behave themselves. And But, like, you're in a country. Like, behave yourselves. Even in, as a California, you think I agreed with the U.S. government all the time? I was protesting the Gulf War. 91, I was protesting the U.S. involvement in the Gulf War. It doesn't mean you have to agree, but you do have to behave. It's just part of living in a country. There's no way out of that. Anyway, so I'm on a crazy rant right now. Um, I'll get off of it, like, almost immediately, except he's got a, you have a question. If you flip the screen. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.